We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to issue 622 of Geek in the City Radio. Uh, Aaron Duran continues to be on an away mission. So for now, I'm Bina Rita. And I'm your other other host, Gable Hashtani. <laughs> oh, I like to make it weird every time. I just sort of like wonk my way through these. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That's, that's, that's your speed. <laughs> Wonking my way through things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's about right. The Beanerita story. Yes, thank you. Uh, that's where that's where that needed to go. Fantastic, uh, Cable. How has your week been? Um, my week is still getting started. Uh, my weekend was half great. Uh, on Saturday, I went and got my COVID booster, Yay. and then I went and did a bunch of errands and did some household chores and then you know we had dinner and then I played video games it was all around a great day and then Sunday morning I woke up and could barely move and I finally finally experienced some of these glorious side effects so many of you have told me about that happened with COVID vaccines that's so strange because I'm hearing that people are not experiencing very expected side effects from their boosters. That's that's fantastic. I'm super curious then. Did you have the same brand of uh, for your booster as the other ones? I've had Pfizer all the way through. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to the VA tomorrow and I'm hoping that I can just be like, can I get some booster action? And that they just have it, you know? I'm sure they will. <laughs> I hope so. We're- we're we're still the U.S. We still have an overabundance of the vaccine while shorting the supply chain for, you know, the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which gives <laughs> us the, the freedom to, you know, not take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would feel worse about the or I should say I had a lot of really mixed feelings about the booster at first because it wasn't necessarily being recommended by health officials it was just something that the pharmaceutical companies were floating around like "Hmm, maybe you guys want to buy some more I don't know um 
but at this point it has been recommended by you know like official organizations and um there is evidence of what was it called waning immunity Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay well uh, I guess I guess I better should do that, and I would prefer to stick continue to do it through the VA because they almost certainly still have Pfizer, and I know they said that mixing it is not a problem, but I think it's just better to stick with the one you've already got if you can. I think the I think people just ought to get shot. So. <laughs> Go on. Mm. Uh, I think I expressed it best in a Twitter post I made this morning, which was uh, I finally figured out what my answer is to the age old question of what superpower would I choose? And that power is teleportation. Absolutely limitless, not um, line of sight and able to take people with me teleportation. And I would spend a month and there would be a missing persons cases like you would never believe and no one would ever find them. Where are you taking them? Why would I tell you anything that would make you an accomplice after the fact? Very well. Or friends. I don't, I don't do that to friends. Appreciate that. Not even fantasy abductions. (laughs) Just in case, you know, things could change. So you want to like safeguard preventative measures. Yes. Okay. Got it. Cool. I'm tracking. Um, I like this. I I like it for you. You know, it's like, oh, oh yeah. I always thought it was going to be flight, but these days the necessity is, nah, we just, there are too many pieces on the board that obstruct forward motion. Yeah. It's to a farm upstate. Thank you, Hisham. That's hilarious. <laughs> this is why I like our listeners. I love our listeners. They're really fun. Um, not to get gushy. <laughs> <laughs> Usually you save that for the end. So, Or when I'm really drunk. <laughs> That's so rare, though. Um in all of our talking it- about the things that we were going to talk about tonight, you know what we didn't do? What didn't we do? Decide where to start. We have so many things we want to go over tonight. This is true. There's a lot. I mean, how was your weekend? Um, how was my uneventful? Not a super great weekend. Um, Christian had a medical procedure on Monday, which required a certain precautionary measures be taken in the several days up leading up to and the day before. So um, I made it a point to give him some personal space on Sunday. Um, Which I find funny since he, you know, tweeted it. You know what? That's right. At this point, like he's not trying to hide it. I don't know why I'm being discreet or delicate. And Christian had a colonoscopy on Monday. And I, we, we, as we talked about earlier, I have a very small home and one bathroom. So like I, I made it a point to not be at home on Sunday, but I didn't go and do anything like wildly fun or crazy because I had to be uh, ready and uh, able to get up first thing Monday morning to take him to Mm -hmm. the, the clinic. Um. You know, and then he's not allowed to do anything the rest of the day because of the anesthesia. So it was like a second Sunday 
very, very chill. That's, that's a reasonable day. Yeah, no, it, it was funny. Like they get all science fiction about colonoscopies these days. Um, I had a friend who is also in his fifties that had to have something done that required swallowing the camera. And then For a it, colonoscopy? Because it went all the way through the track and out the other, like, and then you poop out the camera. <laughs> and it sends everything wireless. Yeah. It, it's, it's done in conjunction with the colonoscopy so that you get more information. It, it's wild. What I don't understand, it's like, this is great. Why don't we just have fucking tricorders at this point? A medical tricorder would solve all of this. Instead of, you know, focusing on... No, Kevin. Owner pills and and, and, uh, hair replacement strategies, we should have been focusing on transporters and medical tricorders. Actually, you know what would be really, really cool is uh, like doing it like Magic School Bus style. like little shuttles and then you just have like little like nurse practitioners and you know like gastroenterologists that are willing to be shrunk down and that way they can travel through your intestines and i mean like what better way to really see what's going on in there you know that would be fascinating (laughs) inevitably when the hospital goes yes but how do we pay for this it's like you have a few extra seats that you just charge admission for. <laughs> I mean, it's objectively very gross, but also and, like crazy if amazing. If you're miniaturized, how do you like the scope of everything is changes? It's like, oh my God, I've seen a human body cut open and that's gross. Or, oh, there's a pile of poop. If you're microscopic, that the size changes your your experience right oh and also people are supposed to essentially do like a hard cleanse uh right before they have the c-scope so yep you really shouldn't be seeing anything like that in there uh kevin kevin in the chat says he can't wait for the influencers and tiktokers to get a hold of the fantastic voyage cameras um and i there's probably something there because one of our friends, um, Nate, uh, saw the tweets and asked Christian, uh, amongst other things, do you get the rights to that footage? Mm-hmm. So, probably not. It'd be like the worst TARDIS adventure ever. Oh, man. What, what I'm really excited about is how like we will touch on topics that everyone just shuts up and they're just listening intently and there's no commentary and then we bring up things like poop and colonoscopies and these folks have gone crazy yep (laughs) like everyone everyone has a joke they can't get these jokes out fast enough um Uh, Even I, who, you know, don't like to work blue in that way, did refer to it as a gentleman's roto-rooter the other night. (laughs) 
you know, it's just, and it's just too much material. You know, you yep. can't help yourself. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was my, you know, past several days, not wildly exciting, but definitely a lot of opportunity for humor and binge watching. That's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. See, that wasn't okay. even on purpose. Okay. Kevin, that was great. God damn, that was great. Um, so yeah, show topics. <laughs> um, one of the things we're going to talk about today is uh, the last two episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. Um, and then we're pretty much going to kind of touch on a bunch of geek news that's poured out over the past week. Um, some of it's just popped in today where it's like, oh, well, that's shitty news. Um I'm sorry to disappoint some of you in the chat. We are not going to talk about Shang-Chi this week. We're waiting for Aaron. We're waiting for Aaron. But um, I know I've watched it once more already. How about you, Cable? Yes, I have only watched it a once more since it came okay. out last Friday. <laughs> However, Disney Plus did drop today that all of the special features have now been uploaded to streaming as well. Oh, yes. Which includes 11 deleted scenes, gag reels, and behind-the-scenes interviews. Super. Um, so I told everybody on twi- Twitter, it's like, last Friday was uh, Shang-Chi Day on Disney+. Plus. Everybody gets a week, and then I'm just dropping spoilers. I don't fucking care anymore. I had two people come up to me on Monday and go, so I watched Shang-Chi on Monday and then blurted everything. And I'm like, yep, that's what I've been wanting to talk to you about for two months. Thanks. <laughs> um, it's, it's still just as good. Um, it, it definitely is. It's a, there's a, um, a friend of mine who also runs a, a, another podcast and he had some feelings about it that, uh, I tried to kind of guide him in a direction because he's like, like, I don't want to like put him on blast or anything because that's not what I'm doing. Like, he genuinely was like, this movie's making me uncomfortable in a way that I don't know if I want to continue watching this movie because I feel like I'm watching an entire race of people being exploited by a corporation. And I don't know if that's what's going on. He's like, or if I'm being a white guy about this and just projecting, and I'm like, I totally get that. Here's, they call me Bruce. Listen to this episode, listen to this episode, and listen to this episode. You're you're fine. I get why you're feeling this way, but listen to those. He's like, cool, thank you. And then like a, another um, mutual uh friend of ours chimed in it's like nah dude i'm a chinese american that was awesome (laughs) um so i'm glad it's provoking some thought and conversation and if you have watched shang chi do listen to they call us they call us bruce listen to their episode where they and two other um or people who work in media review the movie because I feel it's a more re- objective review because it is an all Asian American panel 
um, they don't, it's both celebratory and it's uh, an, an objective review. So it, it's worth listening to. Well, that's and, good to know because uh, it's, you can, something can be celebrated and still maybe have issues like the perfect piece of media that is perfectly representative of the people that it's trying to mm-hmm. showcase can can still have problems but can still it, I guess it depends on intent and I think yeah. that the intent here was good so overall you know like you know B plus and in, if you want that regard if you want some extra background too if you there are episodes um, that they do of they they do interviews with both um, Simu Liu um, and Andrew. Uh, God damn it! Uh, I'm blanking on his last name. It's the the screen lead screenwriter Callaham, uh, Andrew Callaham um, of Shang Chi. Listen to both of their interviews because that gives you a little more backstory, especially Andrews. Uh, he talks about when he was brought in by Marvel and they went, we want you to write this movie. Um, and that, that whole podcast was born out of uh, Jeff Yang and, and uh, Phil Yu's burning hatred of Marvel's Iron Fist television series. They were so angry about everything that it did wrong that the two of them went, fuck it, let's do a podcast. And that was their first episode. And their second episode was to interview Louis Tan, who was a guest star on Iron Fist as like thug number two that gets killed off, who had also auditioned for the part of Danny Rand and is still also pissed that the show went the direction that it did. Mm. Um, so like they, they have a deep rooted history with would they want Marvel to get shit right? Especially when representing the Asian American community. I did not know that that's how the um, angry Asian stuff started. That's specifically how that's not how Asian angry Asian man started. Angry Asian man is a blog started over 20 years ago. Okay, so just the they call us Bruce. They just call, yeah. Cuz that's it it was born out of like I don't mean to do an ad for uh, they call us Bruce. It is my my go-to podcast outside of our own. Right. <laughs> um but uh, Phil Yu has been angry Asian man for over two decades and all because he's been angry about representation of Asian Americans in pop culture, in media, and in general. And uh, uh, Jeff Yang used to, uh, or had published A Magazine, um, A for Asians, uh, and had done that for years and has been a a journalist for years. Um, He's just come back into the limelight because his son got famous his son is hudson yang of fresh off the boat Mm, so so the the two of them used to just get together and talk all the time anyway and iron fist just made them angry enough that they went you know what let's just fucking put this on record and get this out there they also pretty much chronicled 
Simu Liu's um, rise from, hey, Marvel, why don't you do a Chinese-American hero? Why don't you do Shang-Chi? I'm right here. I could play Shang-Chi, too. Oh, fuck, guys. I'm playing Shang-Chi, too. (laughs) So what did you think of the movie? Like, they've been there the whole trip. Oh, that's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I know people mention it, but I don't think they, like, give any sort of, like, details. It's like, this is how it started, and this is where we're at now, kind of a thing. Yeah. (laughs) So. There we go. So there is some initial... Thoughts. Yeah, there's some, there's some, some, some stuff you, you can go listen to and, and think about. And when, when Aaron's back, we'll talk. Although, are we having someone next week? Yes. As, okay. as, as long as everything goes according to schedule. So if everything, next week, okay. we will be, it, cause it was supposed to be this week, but we had to reschedule. Okay. Um, so we may have someone next week. Yes. We, I think we could probably say who it is now. Let's let's tease that till the end of the show. Okay. We'll save that um, at the end of the show. But it does mean we may have a truncated conversation about Shang-Chi, depending yes. on how long that interview goes. Uh, and then people in the chat are also agreeing that Iron Fist was not good. You know, if if uh, Finn Jones had just agreed to take fight choreography training it would have made a world of difference. Is that the main guy? Yes. I didn't know he wouldn't take fight choreo. He's like, nah, it's fine. We can we can figure it out on the day. It's like, dude, everyone else has invested themselves in this character and you're just fucking winging it. Oh shit, I didn't realize he was on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't care what else he's in. I He was... Like he's the reason I didn't care about the defenders. Like when they finally got to that, I'm like, it's like you're you're now going to force him to pair up with Luke Cage, and I really like um, Luke Cage, and it was just awful. Luke Cage and Jessica Jones were great. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yes, that's right, Kevin. He was uh, Loris Tyrell, the Knight of Flowers, which is a very small part. I just, you know, no wonder I didn't recognize him. Because those roles were not far apart from each other. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if if they like, it was bad enough that I am like I used to be able to have a defense for. Here's why you still keep Danny Rand. Like you can make the the character of Iron Fist make that a legacy character and and move it on and and have it be someone Asian. But Danny Rand should be a white guy for these reasons to uh fuck it just recast him recast danny rand and get that out of there and, i mean and- i don't know why you would have hired somebody for a character like that if if they weren't going to do fight choreo like, uh, regardless of whatever other like racial elements you want to put yeah. into that like wrong guy for the job then uh, it, having watched a few things now with Lewis Tan in it and watched him fight and knowing his his history within Hollywood, um, I'm annoyed at the very least that they did not go, you know what, I think we ought to go with Lewis Tan. Yeah, he's not a blonde white guy, but he is he's half Asian 
and he can like he can do his own fights when he f- gets on screen to do a fight scene you will believe that he can do all of that i don't believe that finn jones can do a single fucking thing in a in a fight choreography but lewis tan on the other hand can fucking fight um i think his acting might need a little work but that's up to you know that can be that can be worked on like he, he was uh, the lead in the recent Mortal Kombat movie. He was the the character in the Mortal Kombat movie who's not from the game. Oh, okay. That this ostensibly the main dude. Yes, yeah, that's Lewis Tan, and he comes from uh, a long history of like his his father and his family are all martial arts stunt choreographers from Hollywood, so. He comes by it honestly. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> screw Iron Fist. Um, we'll we'll get into some of that, I'm sure, when we when we go back to do our full Shang Chi conversation. Oh, yeah, will we? Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Prodigy. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's mostly fresh up my brain. All right, so. Oh my god, where did I do the thing with the titles of the episodes? So, um, no, go ahead. Uh, so we talked about episodes one and two that air together as one big one uh, mm-hmm. already. Um, that was and Lost then, and Found parts one and two. Yes. Uh, and then we are now both caught up on episodes three and four. Correct. So we'll talk about them together, even though to me, it felt like episode three is almost like part of the one part part three could have been an arc together with one, two, one and two. And, and it really is. Uh, episode three is called starstruck. And at the end of episode two is when like the reason they, they put one and two together is episode one has no connection to star Trek whatsoever. Like it is just a, a show about, like the only indication that you get that it's Star Trek is there is mention of a couple races that we know from Star Trek. Other than mm-hmm. that, it's just an alien prison planet and this weird overlord and the general Grievous's cousin, <laughs> um, uh, yep. you know, running the place. Um, and, and, you know, Kazon selling tiny kitty people into slavery. Um, it isn't until episode two that we see a Federation starship and we meet hologram Janeway, which I'm going to sidebar immediately. It weirds me out having characters just call her Janeway. <laughs> Rude. Because for seven years, I've only heard her referred to as Captain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. No, like she's she's captain except she's not because the hologram isn't the captain she's just janeway so it's weird (laughs) um i mean one like overall thought that i have between you know the the first two episodes and these second two are um so jankum pog the tellerite character jankum pog (laughs) <laughs> Jim Kampong is hungry. Uh, I'm fine with him now. I, I guess he just needed a little bit of warming up too. 
Um, or he's like mellowed out a little bit after the, uh, you know, like the, the way he's written in the first episode. Um, Doll, on the other hand, the, the, the you know, self-proclaimed captain. And I'm sure that like it's either like part of it is because this I'm not the audience for this show or, you know, like they're they're doing it on purpose to, you know, to go somewhere with it. Don't like that kid. I want to hit that kid over the head a lot. Um, that I get. I don't have that feeling. I probably would have were I younger. Mm. Um, not to sound completely ageist, but it, he is now like watching him in the first episode and watching him in these past two episodes. It's like, oh, yeah. You are one hundred percent a dumb kid, mm-hmm. and it's you. It's not that you're not trying, but you've had all of your beliefs stamped the fuck out, and now you are operating in survival mode only. And you just you need someone to help you, and it's going to take you a year or more to get to a point where you can actually know to ask for help. So. Someone just has to be patient and give it to you when you need it, even when you don't know it. Right. And and I'm sure that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But right now it's just irritating because, mm-hmm. he, because he thinks he knows and he doesn't want to listen and sort of is, has decided that he's the authority, mm-hmm. even when it continues to backfire. And you're right that, where you're not the audience for that. I'm not the audience for that either. The audience for that is the one that needs to see someone who's like them that does stupid shit and then has to get help from people. It's like, oh, to make it okay. Um, I will say that his anti-authority speech was not expected uh, you have to refresh my memory on what he says exactly. So in Star Starstruck, the the whole plot around Star Trek Starstruck is that they're introduced to Janeway. She kind of gives them the rundown. Uh, they con her into giving her more information, and then they start touring the ship and trying to figure out what to do next. Um, that also includes throwing Gwyn, uh, their prisoner, in the brig. Once they find out that there's actually a brig. Um. When they're going down to the brig, they've suddenly heard about the Federation, which is not something that they knew existed. And they're like, this, this United Federation planet sounds great. Why don't we just take the ship to them and they'll do this? And he turns around and goes, because it's a lie. Anyone with any amount of authority and any amount of power is lying to you because they're they want you to do what they want you to do and they will lie to you to get it. You cannot trust anyone in authority, which is not a Star Trek message. No, no, it is not for, you know, for like, for as much as the, the concept of the, you know, the United Federation of planets is, and even Starfleet to a degree is based around the idea that, you know, we're all, you know, happy little socialists who get along with one another. Um, that's not not always true. 
And even when a system is conceptually good, uh, the individuals who are, you know, pushing the gears along are not always good. In fact, they're often very flawed and manipulate that system for their Mm -hmm. own purposes. And as like Deep Space Nine showed us, like, in fact, I I believe some of the like Garrick and uh, Quark uh, were able to bring this up in conversation because they were the non-human members of the show. They would bring up like humans are great. Federation is great as long as you don't piss them off. As soon as as soon as you put them in a position where they are no longer comfortable, you have taken away their replicators. You have taken away their hollow suites. You have made their life miserable. They will fight you tooth and claw, and you will lose. This is not a species that you are. It's like, you know, you're not supposed to fuck with Klingons. You know, you're not supposed to fuck with Romulans. You know, you're not supposed to fuck with Nausicans because they all have visual representations of don't fuck with us. Humans don't have that. They're like, no, come on, be our friends. Let's hang out until you piss them off. As soon as you do that, you have picked the wrong fight. What is that supposed um, Andorian saying? Don't push the pink, pink skins onto the thin ice. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Although he also, but he also is saying that, you know, like, oh no, anytime like someone's an authority, you can't trust them. Mm-hmm. Except, what about you? You're trying to be the authority on this ship. Like, it's not for me. I'm doing it for us. It's like, but you're also lying to us. It's like, I'm lying for us. It's like, which is, not true right now like in this phase of the series i would have a hard time believing that dal wouldn't leave someone behind if it you know meant saving his own ass mm-hmm. but that that also goes to show us just how much they uh, they have to learn mm-hmm. as as people um and what kind of uh, journeys they're going to take. I, I get the impression that uh, Jenkin Pog is not a child. Like no, I don't. Rock think so. and Dal and Gwyn and Zero. Like even though Zero is a non-corporeal being uh, and genderless, they all present as teenagers essentially. Mm-hmm. Jenkin Pog comes across as mid twenties. Yeah, um, no, I get that vibe too. So, and then I'm I'm not sure at all about um, what's the blob creature's name? Murph. 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 Thank you. Um, I don't know about Murph. I, Murph. Murph is ageless. I don't think Murph is whatever we think <laughs> he is. I cannot wait to find out more about Murph. Uh, I know we talked about how maybe Murph is technically as possibly some sort of like sentient being that exists to interface with the ship mm-hmm. um maybe maybe it's like a baby version of that and that's why like sometimes it magically knows how to you know start up the phasers um but other times it he's just eating a chair yeah sometimes um i mostly liked it like it was a it was a fun episode you know of course Dell's is not ready to captain a ship. So he sends them on a course that goes into a 
almost puts them into the middle of a uh, black hole eating a white dwarf or something. Mm-hmm. White, it was a white dwarf the, collapsing. The sun yeah. going Nova. It was essentially, it was a bad call. <laughs> yes. Should not we have done didn't that. want to listen. Um, but I, I appreciate that. Uh, like, so of course it was going to be Janeway who was going to turn back on and help them figure out how to, how to get out of all of that. Um, it also gave us a chance to see new technology that it definitely goes, okay, I still don't know when this is taking place, but it's further in the future than we think it is where you have a ship replicator. I've never seen one of those before. Pretty sure. I, because I don't think they've existed before. Okay. I like, they have shipyards where they just build these things and they put them on other ships. Like shuttlecrafts are things that you just have all ready to go. There were no shuttlecrafts on this ship. And it said, oh, you need a shuttlecraft. So it just started building one. Yeah. And was going to have one completed in under five minutes. <laughs> what? That's that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, that reminds me. Like I'm, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm. I continue to think about the fact that they uh, jettisoned a bunch of stuff when trying to drop weight so that they mm-hmm. could break away from this gravitational pull. Um, I'm like, what was it? Like, besides the escape pods, clearly, if you have a thing that can build you a shuttlecraft, you can probably have it build you replacement escape pods. Mm-hmm. But what about those other boxes, like crates of stuff? We're always stacking crates around here. Um, what was in those crates? What if they need that? What if some of that is like material for the replicators? Like, where are you going to get your proteins now? That's on them. <laughs> and I'm just curious if it's a, if that's even going to come back into play or not. It, probably not. Um, it might. Like, it is. it is still Star Trek. So who knows what they're going to do? Um. But yeah, you're right. This was mostly a self-contained episode um, and everything worked out just fine. Um, But it does fit better with uh, episodes one and two as opposed to fitting with episode four. Episode four, on the other hand, um, what is this one called? Dreamcatcher. Which is, uh, uh, episode four is ostensibly uh, the very first um, cliffhanger episode. Yeah. If they if they air one and two together, then it's not really a cliffhanger, so. Nope. Um, um, but it starts off with uh, cap- with a captain's log that uh, kind of lays out for us the, the ground that they've already covered so that mm-hmm. now we don't have to kind of watch them figure these parts out. We can just kind of move on to some of the I guess deeper learning that's going to happen for these characters. They've learned, they've figured out how to plot mm-hmm. a course. They've figured out a couple other different, you know, ship handling basics. Right. And the, the hologram has designated them as cadets. She's like, clearly, if you don't know these things, then you're not Starfleet officers, you're Starfleet cadets, which also gives the indication it's like, you know, they're not cadets either, but it's y- an, your pro your uh, your hologram with programming so you're only going to make so many assumptions unless they're going to go the route that they did with 
the Voyager's doctor where it became a learning program. Right. And we don't know what sort of life or lifespan the ship experienced prior to landing on this mine, uh, like a mm-hmm. meteor mine that, uh, where, you know, where we, the show and the, the characters escape with it. Um, yeah, because there was no crew. There's no right. remains of a crew. Yeah, I, I assume it has to be uh, a learning uh, system that has had some experience or, you know, or she was programmed. The hologram was programmed with a lot of Janeway's works, um, mm-hmm. biases, whatever, whatever you want to call them. But, you know, like the things that make you a person and not just a program. I feel like that would take an up and awful lot of memory of the ship's computer but i mean when was the ship created how much memory did you need for um robert picardo's you know hologram uh emr emh system so um nerd moment on a starship on the saucer Mm -hmm. you know how it, it kind of points up and points down Mm-hmm. and goes flat out in the edges or you know curves out that central point from top of the saucer to the bottom of the saucer mm-hmm. right in the middle there that is the central computer core okay so it, it's essentially a small skyscraper in the middle of the ship that's how big their computer core is um which is massive. And that's for everything. That runs everything that is also connected. So that means all of your tricorders also access that computer core. And that computer core is networked. Like it, it gets everything that Starfleet has as far as information, puts it on the ship. It also runs the ship. And it also has to be big enough to take in more information that they have to dump back it. Starfleet Command. So the computer cores of these ships are massive already, right? Because that's usually like, I don't know, from bridge to underside of the the ship, or captain's yacht, I guess, is usually what's down there. So from bridge to captain's yacht is is like, I don't know, 10 to 15 decks. So that's a 15-story building. I guess what I'm curious about is like, how does the size of a, you know, a starship's computer core differ from the Voyager era or, you know, the the TNG era versus, um, uh, I guess, uh, Discovery, I guess is the only like deep future uh, concept we have. See, in Discovery, their computer core originally would have been more along the lines of TNG TOS. and previous and yes. TOS. Um, Voyager is where that started to change because its computer core was also biomimetic gel. Mm. So the um, yeah, it theoretically had more memory storage. And, and to be able to fill up and like the doctor's program took up a chunk, but it didn't take up a massive amount. 
So I don't think Janeway's like, I was more making a joke for all the different quirks that Catherine Janeway has. Um, <laughs> but like, okay. I, I still don't like, this is also a small ship. It does. I, 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 I honestly, in the first two episodes, it seems really, really small because it appears as though they walk up a ramp from the outside and then are mm-hmm. immediately on the bridge. They are. So then where are these other levels with other rooms? I think there's about three decks on that Mm. ship total and an engine room. Because the bridge isn't that big. No, it's not. It just, it seems bigger on the inside is, is I guess what I'm, I'm saying. The, Um, I, I get it's. Like the way they walk up into it, it feels like the ship is not much bigger than a Firefly Firefly class to cross universes here. Okay, I'm picturing it even smaller than that. I I don't think it's smaller than a Firefly class, but I do think that it's more in that range. Mm. Um, like it, which is also puts it about the size of the Millennium Falcon. Like, if you okay. see schematics of that, the Millennium Falcon is a lot bigger on the inside than they ever... Because you see the lounge the and the cockpit, and that's pretty much it. And then it's... We you know never get to see in contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a cargo ship, and what we never see is the cargo hold. Right. Um, no, that's fair. Um, I once lived and worked on a, a, uh, a ship, um, I wouldn't, a transport ship. Mm-hmm. And, um, from the outside, it does mostly just look like a big empty center mm-hmm. of a ship, a ship with a huge empty space in the middle. Um, but there was still, you know, like, there's still room for everything, including, you know, crew quarters, a galley, two dining, two mess halls, one for the crew and one for the officers. And clearly, the, yeah, uh, for for the Protostar, they, uh, which is the name of the ship, I keep forgetting. Um, they didn't, they had the captain's quarters and then they had crew bunks. It's true. It kind of looked like there was only one room worth of bunks. Yeah. And there was probably about 20 bunks. So this is still a fairly small ship. I think they said it's supposed to have a crew of 30-something? Oh, jeez. Unless I'm crossing that in my brain with, like, I just read the whole Expanse again. Mm. And, like, their ship is manned by usually just four people, but it's supposed to be a marine ship for 30-something Marines. Hmm. Hmm. And then uh, Norm points out that um, uh, he believes, you know, like in the Prodigy era, the EMHs are built directly into the computer core, uh, like you were saying, but that um, in the Voyager era, that EMH system had its own, like, separate computer core, uh, smaller scale. And it worked in conjunction with the ship's computer core, but again, like a separate secondary. Board. And 
I couldn't speak to that though. The EMH for Voyager is also like one of the, I believe that Voyager is one of the first ships to get the EMH. Yes, I, I, I you're right. I, we hadn't really thought about that. That's brand new technology. So, mm-hmm. but however that works, it's, it's like a, you know, an, a 1990s cell phone, mm-hmm. you know, versus nowadays we have these. Right. And yet we're, we are all still guessing about when Prodigy takes place. You're right. They don't, they don't tell us much of anything really. Which is, which is still fine. Um, I mean, I guess like it's for, for a younger audience, you don't really need all that. It's not going to necessarily have a lot of context for them anyway, even if they are Star Trek fans, like how many of them are like super aware of like the dates and the timelines and, you know, a bunch of lore that we donk donk around about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm still interested where that's going to end up Um, when they finally say, Oh, this takes place at this time. It's like, Oh, Oh. Yeah. Uh, back I think to the it, episode, though. Yeah, back to the episode. Sorry, it's a, it's um, sorry, it's Picard. Picard throws me off a lot about what's going on with the timeline. Mm. Why exactly? Um, because when Picard started, I didn't care about cameos, and I didn't care about the rest of the. It's like, I don't want Next Generation 2.0. I just want Picard and I just want this. And then as soon as the, the cameos happen, I'm like, oh, nope, I'm wrong. I I do care. I now care a lot based on what you've told me about what Federation Romulan and Klingon space now look like. I really want to know what happened to all of these other characters who had very specific views about their roles mm-hmm. and where they were going to go. Because as soon as, you know, as soon as seven shows up, it's like, nope, nope. I need, I need to know where the entire crew of the Voyager is. The entire crew. Oh, this happened with Romulus after this. Nope. I need to know where everybody is. Um, Someone's probably done that work, right? I think they're maybe. I think the writers are still trying to figure that out for Picard. I mean, if someone can write a whole timeline for Taylor Swift's love life, I'm sure someone out there has has laid out a good, you know, map of of where everyone is when, like in the back of a good book. Yeah, but that's that you're dealing with showrunners for completely different shows. Oh, no, I just meet a fan who's like keeping track of everything. And they're like, okay, if it's been so many years or like, but we haven't been, that's just it. We don't know. We have not been told fans can't figure that out. Fans can speculate, but Picard actually has some of that information. Right. I, 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 that, I thought that's what you were referring to. It's like, okay, well, this is what's happening with Picard, and that means I want to know what happened with X, Y, and Z right. separately and where they're at in, in line with this. Yeah, but I don't want a fan theory about it. I actually want to know what's going on because we've seen... I, I'm sorry I'm going to ruin this if you 
or not watching either Picard or Lower Decks. Picard came out before Lower Decks, so we saw how where Troy and Riker's story is at that point, where they had two kids and now they only have one. Right, and, and they've been out of the game for a and, while. Yes, and and then we see Lower Decks, which is 10, 15 years prior. And we get to see Troy and Riker again. And they're at the peak of when they're on the Titan. And those kids haven't been born yet. And it breaks my heart to know, oh my God, this Riker turns into that Riker. I didn't think about that. That's all I have thought about (laughs) since they brought these. Like, we're watching these same characters now at three different points in time. But Picard well, has started to break my heart. Ugh. It's a hard one. It I, is... watched, I watched Family for the first time like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. For the first time ever? For the first time ever. I missed it when it first aired and I just yeah. didn't go back. I'm like, hey, I probably don't need to watch that. And I watched it for the first time and just cried my eyes out. Because all I could do is sit there and go, fucking generations killed this family. I'm super curious. Did you did you watch it because of the uh, that episode of all the Asians on Star Trek? Yes. Because I wanted to rewatch. I just listened to that like last week, and I was like, "Oh my god, I should watch that again." It's it's a good one. I also am curious, like, what my thoughts were when I first watched it because we watched it for you know for Trek Education, mm-hmm. and. You know, hearing these two, you know, hearing Phil and the guests talk about that episode, the guest especially, because she chose it. I'm like, wow, you really, you really have thoughts and feelings about this episode. And I mean, you're not wrong, but damn, I don't know if I read into it as deeply as she did. And I'm like, maybe I need to revisit this, you know, because I'm a much different Star Trek fan than I was. Yeah. However many years ago I watched it and I haven't watched it since. But now you have a depth and breadth of Star Trek viewing under your belt. And you have different thoughts and opinions about all of these characters that are still going to change and morph over time. I feel so much differently about characters that like I didn't care for when they first aired that I'm like, oh, no, I 100% get that character. And others that I'm like, oh, I really like that character. Then I don't like them as much now. It only took me a week to change my mind about Jenkin Pog. You know, it's it's going to happen. Yep. Um, so, the, like, I feel like when we figure out when Prodigy is happening, it's going to have another one of those ripple effects of, like, I need to know where these people ended up. I I can't not know. It's starting to break my heart. Like, please tell me that if it, even though it didn't happen on screen that Harry Kim got back to the Alpha Quadrant and they're like, we've taken a look at your service record and and it's fantastic. And we welcome you back into Starfleet. Um, We want to go ahead and offer you a a commission over on the ship. He's like, great. I'm like, I'll, I'll be, what, what will I be serving on over there? What will I be doing? It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. We phrased that poorly. We're just offering you the ship. You're we're, we're skipping ranks. You're captain. Harry Kim of such and such ship. Poor Harry. Like I want Harry Kim to show up 
I want Garrett, I want this for Garrett Wong so badly. I want Harry Kim to show up in season two of Picard as Captain Harry fucking Kim. And I want it to be, yeah, he just fucking skipped it. Maybe that's something that like we as the internet should be pushing for because, you know, the internet can make things happen. And, and, and like now, now is the time. Like you can, you can petition your favorite franchise managers to, to, to make these things real. Mm-hmm. And and this is the era for Star Trek, amongst others, I guess. But I feel like especially in Star Trek, the fans are the ones who are now in charge. You know, there used to be the the showmakers, the showrunners, and the fans. And now mm-hmm. those fans have grown up to also become showrunners. And, and they probably feel the same way. It's just a matter of like, oh, well, you know, like, was there an audience for that? Fuck yeah, there is. That, that's all Lower Decks is. That Lower Decks is nothing Absolutely. but fans who are dedicated writers and actors who love star trek so yeah like 30 years ago you probably like no one would have accepted the idea of a animated comedy that is also canon in star trek yeah no absolutely they they still didn't want to do it now like there were there were trekkies that are like nope i don't want this still know a few of those trekkies that are like no i don't i don't like it it's not not supposed to be funny i'm like i I don't know what to tell you other than it's always been funny and this isn't making fun of star trek yeah i'm like i respect your opinion but you're wrong it loves star trek everything Mm -hmm. about lower decks shows you how much it loves star trek Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, yeah prodigy i think is doing a lot of that same work um, on a different in a completely different way like it's not designed to be a comedy but it is showing a love for Star Trek I talking again going back to the episode that uh, uh, Dream Dreamcatcher that's what it's called right Dreamcatcher yeah. okay um, the when they land on this planet and start investigating because Janeway, the program says you have to go. It's like, it's an M class planet that has never been discovered. You have to go. Mm -hmm. If you are Starfleet cadets, this is your job. And they like concede to do it, um, which shows you can land the proto star on a planet, which puts it at, which makes it a very different Starfleet ship. <laughs> yeah. We um, were watching it uh, and Christian's like, oh, cool. We get to see what their transporters look like now. Do they have transporters? I'm like, I don't know. It's such a small ship. We know they have shuttlecraft. Um, so they might just use that. And then all of a sudden they're like in the time it took us to speculate, they're already bringing the ship down. Yep. It was pretty and it, good. And it just lands and, and they walk out through the, the cargo bay. Um, pretty rough landing though. Yeah. <laughs> these are kids that have never flown a starship before let alone a, a, a starfleet ship um, oh for sure there's a reason for it i just wanted to make sure that like we're using the term land generously yes um but as soon as they get out there and start exploring you know dal and jenkapog explore about as well as you would expect them to um zero on the other hand treats this ex- exactly like a science mission and they are excited to discover things. And that's where I'm like, there it is. There's the Star Trek. There is the love of discovering new worlds and seeing what's out there. 
and just being exhilarated by discovery. Um, and I was, I was happy that that, that was in there and that was part of the episode. Um, and then of course we learn, um, that, uh, everything is not quite as it seems in that the plant, that the planet is, while it says it's uninhabited is actually trying to eat them. Uh, I want to say we've seen something like this before in Star Trek, but I don't know. It could it could be a, any sci-fi series. It's it. Uh, this particular example is spores. Mm-hmm. Um, there's supposedly no other living organisms on the planet, but um, I guess that's a little bit of a misread in, uh, on behalf of the the systems. Mm-hmm. There are spores that are infecting everyone's brain, and um, first of all, they're not just trying to eat everyone. They're they they kind of want a complacent meal, mm-hmm. and so they do that by showing each character what they what they want most. It's like reading their thoughts and trying to show them the things that will make them think they're happy here and, and not try to leave this isn't like you say this isn't the, the uh, long tradition of weird plants doing things to starfleet crew they did it in tos there were several different i feel like there were at least three different episodes where there was a weird plant that did shit uh, and like hell with with Voyager alone, there's that whole weird plant that created Tuvix. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sorry, kids. That's still going to be my my line in the sand. Tuvix was never a person. Um, <laughs> he was a fucking plant. I, I did want to ask you later of how you felt about that episode. I haven't listened to that one yet. Oh, I, okay. Because, when you have, uh, yeah. I, I'm like, I don't know if I can wade into this one yet. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Um, but yeah, like, and like all good episodes of Star Trek, it, it did. It ended on a cliffhanger because as soon as um, Gwyn escapes, she tries to escape with the ship. The spores, the, these plants that overtake the ship and don't let it take off. So she escapes in a half completed shuttlecraft along with Murph and the ship kind of takes off and then crash lands again. And they're all now stranded on this planet that is actively trying to eat them. So dun, 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 which is makes the, the name of the next episode fun where it's called instead of terra firma, it's called terror firma. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a good pun. Cause yeah. Cause now they're trapped on a murder planet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't well before we wrap up this uh this conversation about this episode I do not want to miss uh going over the fact that while just about everyone else was shown something that they really want and were happy to kind of live that lie however mm-hmm. briefly um Gwen's character saw what she wanted to see which was an affectionate father who is proud of her and, and, and gives positive feedback. Mm-hmm. And 
And that is why she almost immediately uncovered the lie. Right. Because even though it's something that obviously is like she like deep down really, really wants, she she is so devoid of having it that she couldn't like she couldn't possibly believe it even if it was happening right in front of her. Right. And that makes me so sad. Uh just like, oh my God. Oh my they'd be like Harry Potter, you know, finding the mirror of Arizad and then just like, nope, that's fake. I bye. Bye. <laughs> I don't want any of those things. <laughs> oh yeah, like I don't want this. Like <sighs> um I I think uh Gwen is a, a fascinating character and she is certain as far as lead characters goes, I find her more interesting than Dahl. Although I do find Dahl watchable in these last two episodes. Like he, he annoyed me in that first episode. And now I'm like, Oh, you're just, you're just a dumb kid figuring shit out. I'm going to give you some slack. Yeah. Uh, and Gwen is like, I, with Gwen, it was like, Oh man, you, you've got a heart. Like, I, I don't know how to help the kid. I'm right here, but I don't know how to help you. Gwen is the one where they're really selling, you know, the idea of, like, don't trust the people in authority. They lie to you to get you to agree to the things that they want. Yep. You know, and that, that argument happened for her in the previous episode when she's fighting with Rock Talk. And, you know, she's like, I was told that you guys were criminals. I was just doing what I was told. I was told, and, you know, I believe that you guys were bad. So there wasn't anything wrong with what we were doing to you. Mm -hmm. Which then, and bear in mind, this is a Nickelodeon's children's show about child abduction and slavery. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. So this is a weird show, Um, but it's, it's Star Trek and it is, embracing the part of star trek that is we want to we've got some things to say um i'm going to use this as a segue into kind of stepping off of this and into a little bit of new stuff before we wrap up for the night um a prodigy has been renewed for its second season yeah that's pretty exciting considering it has only aired four episodes so yep. far uh this week is episode five which I'm going to let folks know that while IMDb is showing no interruptions in their air dates, the announcement of their getting a second season also came with, and you'll be able to enjoy the other five episodes starting in January. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the last episode for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. So basically, they've got 10 episodes already in the can. They're just breaking it up into um, They're taking a long parts. winter break. Yep. Which sort of makes sense because I think that's about when, like, if Discovery Season 4 is starting this week, that's about when it will be wrapping up. And then we'll have the other five episodes of discovery to connect us to the opening episodes of Picard. Like that's where I know the, the, the production heads are talking to one another because they have scheduled lower decks, prodigy discovery, prodigy Picard, strange new worlds. 
Yeah, they've been doing a pretty good job of spreading out the programming, A, so that there's always something bringing you back. Mm -hmm. But but it's even more impressive when you, you know, you think about all the different ways that COVID and um, union strikes have really sort of either truncated or pushed things back. Um, We had talked a little bit about that before the show. Uh, IATSE uh, ratified their contract yesterday. So they, they, they got the majority of what they wanted and they ratified the vote. Excellent. So that's important because one of the reasons why so many of these shows have had production issues and production schedule like delays, especially like with the Marvel films, films and everything coming out from Disney, that got pushed back because they had to ratify these contracts before they could really say, well, we'll have the people to make these things. So that that's like, I know that people are upset about the delays because they just said, oh, this is delayed and that's delayed. And they're like, what the fuck for? This is one of the reasons why. And that's a good reason. Yeah, you can't, uh, you can't sign a contract if you don't know that you can comply. Right. So, which is great. Um, the, there is another delay, though, that doesn't have to do with that, which gets back onto Star Trek. Um, Discovery, for us in the U.S., starts this Thursday. Season four. The trailers pretty much tell us nothing other than that they have new uniforms that are primary colors, which I'm so happy about. I like the original Discovery uniforms. They were great. They're real slick. But I just, I love, I love my Star Trek in primary colors. I just do. Um, Paramount today announced uh, through social media that while American audiences get to watch season four of Discovery, international fans of Star Trek don't. Um, Most of the streaming services that we have in the U.S. don't have footholds in international markets so they have been using netflix to show this all um is that the reason it's delayed internationally it's delayed internationally for paramount anyway because paramount plans on going international themselves but that's not going to be this thursday (laughs) That's not going to be this Thursday. It's not even going to be this year. It won't be until early 2022. And then that's when international viewers will get to see it. And people are pissed. And they are rightly pissed because they announced it this, they announced it today. And there's, yeah, there's no way that this was a decision that was made quickly. Nope. You've known how long, you know, you've known for a while when you were going to release Discovery, you know that you don't have a way to provide that content in the international market. Uh, And you know that that's going to be the case for a while, because you know when Paramount Plus International is coming out, you 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 hold all of the information. Uh, And yeah, I'm seeing that they they removed all of their Discovery content from or they're going to remove all their content. Yeah, they're uh, from remo- Netflix tonight. All their Star Trek content. Oh, okay, this one just says Discovery. Yeah. But, 
Wow. So, so from now until sometime next year, people outside of the United States will not have access to any Star, Star Trek. Trek content. Yep. Which is upsetting. Like that's a, that's a shitty thing to do to your fan base. Discovery it, it's a- will probably be over and another thing already started before there is a platform for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this is like, there was a large enough break that they could have done this over the summer. Announced it or or gotten the platform up? Either. If they had six months before all of this was set to air, they have gone, hey, this is going to happen. This is when it debuts here and this is when it debuts here. People go, well, that sucks, but okay. When you wait till the week it's premiering to go, hey, this is going to happen. It's like, well, that fucking sucks. I was all excited to watch this this week. What do you mean I can't watch my Star Trek? Yeah, it's it's pretty rude for them to wait until the week of to be like, oh, yeah, you're not going to get that. I know know we told you one thing for months now. But that's not happening. You know who else is pissed about it? The stars of Discovery, who also found out today. Uh, they didn't know either. Uh, I, I, I found this out because uh, we did the interview with Noah Averbach-Hatz uh, last year. Was that last year or was that earlier this year? That was last year. Who played Bren, the Antennalus Andorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was tweeting about it. And Anthony Rapp was t- tweeting about it. So it's like, oh, oh, this is really shitty. <laughs> so, again, this is what fans should kind of maybe make their voices heard and go, hey, you know what? How about you hurry that along or leave things up on Netflix until it does happen? Sign a deal, and pay someone a check. You have the money. It's, and I mean, it's it's strictly a greed thing too. Like they they mm-hmm. want to keep it and hoard it until they personally can dole it out to you. Isn't it sort of the same reason all of the Marvel Netflix shows got canceled? Yeah, yeah, part of it. I mean, part of it is also that you know, Iron Fist was shitty, um, but yeah, but the other ones weren't. <laughs> the other ones weren't. Jessica Jones was great. And so was Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daredevil and The Punisher. I still need to finish. I didn't even remember there was a Punisher show. Oh my God. How could you forget that? That was ooh, John well, Bernthal. Well, I wouldn't have watched it. Oh, fair. Sure. It's just not my jam. Uh, John Bernthal is great. Um, I do appreciate that they updated it from Vietnam vet to uh, Iraq war vet. And there was a lot of the enemy was not the mob. The enemy was the deep state. Mm. And that might have been another reason I I wouldn't have wanted to watch it is I have a really hard time with media that tells a story that I actually experienced and my peers did. It's it's Mm -hmm. kind of a, like if anyone remembers the, um, the network television show over there, so bad it was so bad it was insulting and it just like i'm like that's that's not what we that's not how we talk that's not how we act that's not, like, none of this is right and it's 
it was off-putting at a very early stage where I'm, I've just always been averse. I, I get that with every, any, uh, media representation of how galleries run. So yeah, mm. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like when you know about a thing, it's really hard to watch it in your entertainment. And it's completely different than where it's either cultural or racial when mm-hmm. it's professional, when it's based on your profession and things that you have an employment background in, that's when you start going, that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Like that that's one of my favorite things about uh going back to Shang-Chi. There was a, a there's a whole Twitter thread. Aaron talked sent us or linked us to this. There's a Twitter thread from an MTA driver who breaks down the entire bus scene from a driver's perspective. And the first <laughs> thing that he gets on there is like, that's not that's not the route that bus goes. That bus is way off route, like by 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a big one, right? It's like going, getting across town. Mm-hmm. There's a there's an episode of Stumptown, or it's probably in all the episodes of Stumptown, where like first they're going east on a bridge, and then they're going mm-hmm. west on a different bridge, but somehow they ended up going from like Hawthorne to you know St. St. John's. John's. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where are you going? You've been in the car for 90 minutes at this point. That's not how that any of that works. <laughs> yeah, so. I get that. I, I get that. But uh, um, yeah, it does come down to money. That's and and that's when companies take their rights back. So, uh, so yeah, there was good. There was good uh, Star Trek news and bad Star Trek news, which is kind of kind of too bad. But um, there's some. What was the other fun news? Um, some Marvel stuff. There's a shit ton of Marvel stuff. So they've announced Agatha House of Harkness, mm-hmm. the spinoff from WandaVision. I'm super uh, jazzed for Catherine Hahn to be the star of her own show. Because I don't think she's ever been a leading actor in, in anything she's been in. And, and, I, and I feel like this is, again, this is building media around the strength of an actor's take on a character. Like, I I don't I have never cared about Agatha Harkness and I've never wanted a TV show about her, but I really like what Catherine Hahn did with the character and I think that's going to be fun to see what she does given a limited series. It'll be fun. Um, and then the other one of the other shows that got announced is Echo, who is a character created by David Mack and uh, Joe Casada who showed up in Daredevil. Um, she's actually appearing as part of the Hawkeye TV series. Um, and the character is called Maya Lopez, and she's being played by Alakwa Cox. Uh, the character itself is a Native American woman who is deaf, and her superpower is able to mimic people's movements, similar to Taskmaster, from also from Marvel Comics. So like the the fight style of whatever you can do, I can do better. And because I've just seen it, hence Echo. Interesting. Um, the actress is also Native American and deaf. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, 
So is the character or are they is this gonna be a new element for the character? No, that that's both the character is Native American and deaf, and they cast an actress who's Native American and deaf. Gotcha. Okay. So it's like, oh, oh, you mean you did the whole hey, let's actually cast someone who is the person and then work from there. Which means she's probably had to go through a lot of fight choreography. Mm-hmm. The rest of that Marvel news was mostly kind of some updates on like the Ms. Marvel TV show. Has, and has Moon, a date now. Yeah, and um, which is sometime in the summer of next year. Um, same with Moon Knight and She-Hulk. She-Hulk, they dropped a teaser. Which oh, re- I didn't realize I would have watched it. They gave us glimpses. Um, there's a quick shot of uh, Tatiana Masli, I think is, I'd, I'm sorry if I have mispronounced that name, um, as Jennifer Walters in human form, dressed very late 70s, early 80s, who delivers the line and does a look into the camera of, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And I'm like, right. okay, I'm sold. Like Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm in. It's like you, from- you broke the fourth wall. You quoted the Incredible Hulk TV series. It's like it. All of this, you, you're doing the stuff. So, uh, so I, I wanted to look look her up. I didn't recognize the name. I I think you would pronounce that Tatiana Maslany. Maslany, yeah, I think. Um, and I I recognized her right away. So uh, yeah, her top credit is uh, a character she played in Perry Mason the the new newer mm-hmm. but uh period piece uh perry mason hbo show that i guess actually predates the what the original show content mm-hmm. was about uh, and so she played a big character in that and she is good she is a good actress so i might have to get excited about that i don't know a ton about she hulk so most people know her from orphan black where ah. she played 20 different versions of the same character. Uh, okay, and I never watched that one. I didn't either. I might mainline that before She-Hulk comes out. Uh, She-Hulk is a great character. Um, Jennifer Walters is a lawyer who needed transfusion of blood. She needed it from a relative. Her relative happens to be Bruce Banner, and they <laughs> thought that was a good idea. Um, it is why she's able to physically turn into the Hulk without hulking out. She she pretty much like like she physically as Jennifer Walters is like five foot five and kind of mousy, and then when she hulks out, she's like six foot five and can bench press buses. Um, but she doesn't lose her intelligence because she like she just wills the change so she just took up to being she hulk form all the time she's like well if i'm i'm this and i can be that why the fuck wouldn't i be this which is also super intimidating when you're going up against a six foot six and a half foot tall green woman in court who is actually better at her job than you are (laughs) okay yeah that's that is content i i want to see Mm -hmm. in the world um and then speaking of mainlining before it comes out, uh, I actually learned about this for the first time, uh, like last night or the night before, and then you mentioned it uh, as well, is uh, X-Men 97. 
which is oh, going yeah. to be a animated X-Men series that is going to pick up right where the original X-Men animated series left off. Yep. And I, I, I know that like some of the newer, more recent X-Men movies are better, but it you like know, it's I, I'm I my favorite X Men iteration is the animated series because I was a kid. Nin- yep. The the '90s version of the X Men it was a lot of people's introduction to the X Men before they even got into the comics. It was like, who are these characters? Oh, I love this. These are great. These are great. Like that was our introduction to all of those before there was the movies. Hmm. Um. Well, I just, what I mean is, like, I never read the comics mm-hmm. uh, before or after. I just know that, like, if I needed to choose between, you know, one of the X-Men films or just a couple hours of X-Men, the animated, I would go for that. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah, there's that. There's also the Marvel Zombies um, animated series and then uh, the Spider-Man freshman year uh, animated series which is going to go back in time a little to show us Spider-Man becoming Spider-Man before Civil War, I get the impression. Sounds like, yeah, it says explore Peter Parker's life as he grows into the responsibility mm-hmm. of becoming Spider-Man, which um, which they didn't address in the movies, but we were all sort of cool with that because we've seen that story on the big screen so many times. Yep. We were but, all fine with like, I don't want another origin story. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. So I'm assuming right. that they're going to like, and especially since it's going to be TV, you know, long form, I think that they can really flesh that out rather than, you know, trying to cram an origin story into 90 minutes plus a big bad villain. Indeed. Yeah. Um, the uh, other bits from Marvel's, there's like a Marvel day on the beginning of November. Uh, they're renewing What If for a second season. And James Gunn is apparently writing a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, <laughs> a la the Star Wars holiday special. So that should be fun. Um, there is one bit of non Marvel news that Bex just reminded me of that I also wanted to mention because it's huge. Um, Netflix is doing the live action uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes, that was the other one. Uh, put a pin in the fact that I also need to watch all of Avatar The Last Airbender. And then we Same. can talk about it on the show. I know. So here's the thing. And like, I'm not putting Aaron on blast while he's not here necessarily, but I don't think he was really into it. I know he wasn't. I, I, <laughs> so no, if we want it to be show get, content. Yeah. I yeah, get the I impression that, that he didn't, that he's like, yeah, I don't care. Um, and I have not cared either because I've tried to watch it and went, "Eh, I don't like this. Um, I have a coworker that has been mercilessly. No, she's not been mercilessly, but she has been very relentless in going, I'm telling you, you have to watch this show. It's my favorite show ever. It is one of the best shows ever. You need to watch all of it. Like, okay, I will. She's like, and then when you talk about it on the podcast, please let me please let me come on the show and talk about it with you, please. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I'll I, pitch that later. Just because neither one of us have fallen in love with it after watching what three episodes yeah. does not change the fact that they have an undeniable fan base. Like people are hardcore for yep. this show, and so we just haven't seen what they see yet. And yep. I think that we just need to stick it out and you know and just get it under our belts. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, like they've already cast all the kids. 
and they're all um all age appropriate all asian um and there's a character named zuko prince zuko who's the uh one of the the part of the fire nation who's at war with everybody uh daniel day kim a couple weeks ago was cast as his father the head of the fire nation and just today they announced uh, three more castings one of which is paul sung hung lee from kim's convenience who is now AKA playing bitter asian dude yeah he's playing um uncle iroh who is the uh, mentor to prince zuko and in the cartoon he was played by mako in one of mako's last roles uh mako is a, a veteran japanese uh, american character actor who was brilliant in, in pretty much everything he did and um was one of the early actors to kind of spearhead um rights for asian american actors especially japanese american actors there's a, a collective guild in hollywood for asian american actors and uh, most modern audiences will know him as playing a coup from um Samurai Jack. He has a very distinct voice. Um, And then he plays this character named Iroh. And Iroh is one of the characters I do really enjoy from from that. So Mm -hmm. he's he's your sassy old uncle, you know? Mm -hmm. He's like, he's there to help you, but he's also going to give you a hard time. Mm -hmm. That he is. Oh, God. Sorry. they just mentioned Cowboy Bebop, the live action. And I looked at the date at the same time and went, oh, God, that actually premieres this week. Shit, I was going to watch Cowboy Bebop again, too. There is so much stuff to yeah. right now to either watch again or finally get around to watching or reading so that you, I can really appreciate what's what's happening. You know, like this is the, I have this opportunity that I haven't had necessarily in the past mm-hmm. to 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 be ahead of the curve i've i've kind of wasted some of those opportunities with shows like the mandalorian um or even some of these newer star trek ones but it's also hard to know ahead of time what past content will be good to have fresh in your brain before the next episode comes out that's fair (laughs) sorry i got distracted by comments again um yeah i think that's it i think it's all we got i'm tapped i think so oh uh the eternals is killing it in the box office that's that's good to know good uh if you haven't seen the eternals watch the eternals uh the more i've had time to think about it it is not a typical marvel movie it's not a marvel movie it is a chloe zhao movie with marvel characters in it go watch it it's not what you think it is I, I think I'm going to enjoy my rewatch of the Eternals too. Yeah. It's, it's not what you think it is. And it's certainly not what review bombers say it is. So give it a watch. Definitely. Well, um, like we said, Aaron should be back next week. And with that comes our special guest. Who yes. is that special guest? Our special guest is Kelly Sue DeConnick. She is going to be joining us to talk about Wonder Woman Historia, which originally was going to be releasing last week. Yes, it was supposed to release uh, last but, week. But, um, you know, because of problems in the world, 
uh, it actually got pushed back to November 30th. But oh, that means yes. that we got a chance to get her on the books before the book comes out so that we can review the book and and have a, an awesome conversation with her as, as all of our conversations are really great with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited. And then I promise that we will fit, uh, depending on how much show she takes up, uh, we'll fit a little bit of Shang-Chi content around there. Yeah. If, it's uh, not, if it's not next week, then, then it'll be the week after. It's fine. No, well, that'll, oh, wait, next week is Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's right. We have not talked about whether or not there will be a show the week of Thanksgiving. No, there is. Next week is Thanksgiving week. And our guest is Kelly Sue DeConnick. So there is a show. So yes, there is a show for Thanksgiving. Right, right. The week after that is after Thanksgiving. Yep. November really flew by. Yeah, it was. Really, really Hi, I'm November. Oh, God. It's like, but and we now just... we're eight days from Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Well, All right, then. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Uh, and in the meantime, I have been one of your hosts, Bean Rita. And I have been your other, other host, Cable Hoshitani. Uh, and, Aaron will be back next week. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. <laughs> oh, that was right after I hit stop live. Yes, that's